Well, good morning. It's great to see all of you here today. Uh, what an awesome morning. I know the weather didn't cooperate quite like we were hoping, but uh, still a great day to be together worshiping God, right? Every day is a good day to be able to come and to worship our King, our Savior Jesus. And man, just what, what, a, great, um, what a great group of, of worship leaders God has given us. And what, yeah, yes, yeah, good deal. And what, what just an, an awesome um, just set of songs this morning to center our hearts on the person of Jesus, because it's all about him, right? And so uh, I hope that um, you don't get tired of us saying that, because we're going to be saying the name of Jesus a lot around here, uh, because that, we believe he really is life, like Harley said, and, and like we sang about. Uh, this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, most of you uh, who are already part of LifePoint Church know who this man is, Josue, and I think all the folks from Redemption now have gotten to know uh, Josue Vila. And Josue uh, has been involved with this community uh, for 14 years. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And so uh, as we come together this morning, um, this is a meaningful, significant day, I know, for him and his family. Uh, I know last week was an emotional day for, for both you guys and, and, I, and for us as well. I know we're not near as, as far along in the process, but it was an emotional day just as we closed out a chapter uh, of, of those two churches separately, and now collectively just to come and to celebrate what God is doing, like this is what the body of Christ should look like, uh, that the church is coming together and that we see this more and more because one day uh, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every church, no matter what denomination, no matter what group, we're all going to worship Jesus, right? And so to think about that day, uh, this is just a microcosm uh, of the reality that we are all one church, Right. That we're all the big C church, and, uh, and that we all are God's children, and that we all get to celebrate and worship Him together. So I, um, there's so many things I want to say this morning, but for the sake of time, I can't, I can't say all those things. Uh, uh, Harley alluded to the fact that, you know, his life experience uh, with the twins changed him. Um, I thought part, part of what I feel today is, uh, is it feels almost like the first day of school. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I just <laughs> felt like I, I should have new clothes on, and, and I have, should, you know, have some new school supplies or something walking in the door, because it just kind of felt a little bit like that first day of school, little butterflies in your stomach, like, hey, this is a new day, it's a new thing. Uh, there was another part of me that's like, this is kind of like a wedding day, but I thought that's kind of weird for you and I, like, what, it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but it is, in, in essence, it did remind me that, um, you know, the scripture says that when Christ does return, and he comes to get his bride, the church, it is going to be a wedding day. It's going to be a celebration as, as we come back together uh, with our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the bridegroom, and that we as church are the bride. Um, but as we, as we come together this morning, uh, we thought it would be helpful to share a little bit of the story. You know, one thing, I'm, when I meet couples, um, one of the things I always ask pretty quickly into the conversation if we're having dinner is, hey, so tell us how you met. Uh, and so we thought it would be helpful this morning just to take a minute and share a little bit of the story about how we got to this point, Okay. And uh, literally point, right? right. Um, we're going to have so much fun <laughs> with that, I know, already. And uh, it's going to get annoying. But anyway, um, but let me just say, um, this is not, th- this, this moment right now, this was not Josue and Nick's idea. <laughs> uh, if anything, I can tell you that this is not how I scripted things to go. Right. Uh, and so just why don't you get us started a little bit. Tell, tell us a little bit what's going on the two years prior to us. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. having this, this moment. Right. Well, um, as you know, I have been in the ministry for 14 years, um, starting with that church in Southside. And 
I consider LifePoint a, a new plant because uh, we changed values, we changed uh, direction, we changed mission, we changed people. It almost like I felt like I ran off all the people before, <laughs> uh, just trying to, to focus on a mission that God had given us. But so we planted here at, at LifePoint uh, in this location uh, four, a little over four years ago. And at that time, uh, it was a small group of us that came from a hotel. And um, in fact, there were four or five kids in the entire children's ministry. But overnight, it started growing. And with that, uh, with the growth, which is great, that's something that we had always been praying about. Uh, but with the growth came other challenges. Um, and uh, personally, um, a lot of more responsibilities. I had, uh, I've been working up in Round Rock for the last seven years um, at, a, at a company there. Uh, you know, as every family has fa- uh, goals, our family had a, had a goal. One of the goals when our son was born, Joshua, he's eight years old now, but when he was born, my wife was a teacher before then, uh, but when he was born, um, you know, every parent's heart changes. And um, at the moment that uh, uh, Joshua was born, uh, his mama said, he's embarrassed over here, but uh, his mom said, I don't want to go back to work. I want to take care of my kid. So that uh, then our goals changed, you know, for our family. Uh, so I didn't want to, to go back to work. So um, <clears throat> I started work uh, up in Round Rock and also leading a, ch- a small church. But as the church started to grow, um, the, just the responsibilities of, of commuting every day um, and then coming back and having elders meetings and staff meetings and, and so on. And the, girls start, the church started growing. Uh, it becomes more of a burden. So there was this battle within me for the last two years before I met Nick. Uh, every weekend, every week of, of knowing what God was calling us to do. And, and then also the demands of family and, and wanting to be there for our family. Um, one of the struggles, as you know, is, is leadership. It's a, a leader knows or has a vision of what it should look like uh, and what to invest in it. And um, going to work and back, um, I wasn't to able to put in what I wanted to put into the church um, and also to family. One of the things, because um, a lot of people think that preaching, uh, pa- being a pastor is just about a sermon, 30 <laughs> minutes on Sunday. It's not. Um, it's, it's about investing every ounce of your heart every single day. And I wasn't able to do that. So my wife and I at that time, we've been praying for several years, God help us, help us. Help us uh, bring in more leaders. Help us with, with people who, who get the vision of what we're trying to do. And we've been praying, uh, God, give us an answer to all this. So we've been in prayer for, uh, friends, for a long time, for uh, two years before uh, I met you. Uh, give us an answer. And um, so anyway, you, you gave me a call, right, mm-hmm. um, two years ago. Um, I, was, I was at my job, um, and he gave me a call. Uh, some random guy named Nick, um, and uh, well, said, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little bit of that. Just um, we were in the process of uh, just trying to decide where we were going to plant a church. God had confirmed that we were to plant another church in the city of Austin or the greater Austin area. And uh, just to be completely honest with you, the three places that we proposed were all on the north side. Uh, they were all a pretty good distance from here. Um, we were living in Round Rock at the time. And uh, because of the leadership structure that I served with, um, there was an elder board that was overseeing that. And when I put my three proposals on the table, uh, they prayed about it and they came back and said no to all three. And I was like, well, 
what, what, you know, we just spent all this time trying to figure this out, but ultimately I trusted them, and I trusted that God had a plan, and uh, it took me a minute to get there emotionally, uh, but we began to say, okay, well, God, where do you want us to go, and uh, while we had been uh, praying, uh, you guys know how this works, but as you pray, uh, God begins to stir things in you, and he begins to show you some things, but then he, he, then he, can, uh, he will he'll confirm those things through other people and through circumstances and even through his word, right? And uh, Jada and I had been driving down in this area uh, in the process of being assessed to be a church planter. And one of the things she said as we were driving down here, we'd gone to San Mar- Marcos, she said, whatever happens, don't let them send us down south. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so if you guys know anything about how God works, you just don't say that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I might as well just give in. We're going south now, you know. <laughs> But, hey, the beautiful thing is, even I was just talking to my, my in-laws last night. We've got some family here this morning. It's really awesome for them to be here for this first day. And, uh, but the reality is, is God began to stir in our hearts that this is where we wanted to be. We wanted to be in a place where uh, there were few churches, so there was a need for, for new churches. Uh, we wanted to be in a place that was diverse, that was diverse racially, that was diverse socioeconomically, uh, that, that looked um, like a place where there was, again, a need for a church to come and to continue to support the work of the other local churches. And so in the process, all that said, um, I was driving around this part of the city, and I noticed this building, this piece of property here. And if you look around, there's not many church buildings in South Austin. There's not many churches in South Austin. 90% of folks don't go to church on Sunday mornings. And I saw Life Point Church, and so when I got home, I, I, caught, I contacted Josue. And we went and had uh, a well, chicken sandwich. Well, all he had to say was free lunch. And I agreed to the... That, that's true. That's true. I, I did say I'd buy his lunch. Um, yeah. And so I, I was, we were still I, on Round Rock's budget at the point, And so I had some money. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to spend all of it I can right now. And so I asked Josue to lunch. And we sat down and we had a Chick, Chick-fil-A sandwich, which is a holy place. Right. Um, right? Not so, open on Sundays. So. So yeah, except... Yeah, they, yeah anyway. But... Uh, uh, so we had a Chick-fil-A sandwich, and as we were there, I mean, instantaneously, I don't know how else to describe it, but there's people that you sit down with, and there's an instant connection. You just feel, we, you know, some people call it a kindred spirit, but we just sat down, and our hearts just instantly connected to say, we love people, and we want them to know Jesus. And I was, uh, I was overwhelmed by the humility and the, and the, the service as he began to tell me the details of the story of this church. And I was like, man, I, I pray that, that I can be a man like that, that continues to love people and serve people um, in, in hardships and challenges and just stick with it and persevere the way that, that Josue has. And so um, we sat down at Chick-fil-A, and, and from that point, we began to pray together weekly, yeah, that's monthly. It. That was it. We just started to pray together. No agendas, no nothing. And uh, one of the things that I was talking about, um, one of the things that was happening in my heart, and this is, he told me I could be honest this morning, but uh, one of the things that was happening in my heart at that time that I didn't like was uh, I was starting to feel isolated, mm. uh, like on my own. <clears throat> but one of the things that um, just bonded our hearts together is just the, had someone just praying over me, just praying over the needs, praying over, he saw right away the need. Um, and um, he said, I go, so how do you do that? How do you, how do you go to work? How do you lead a church? How do you, are you there for your family? Are you there for your... So he was just praying for that um, just constantly for me. Uh, for, for the ministry, for LifePoint Church. Uh, I mean, he sincerely just constantly prayed for all of you guys that, uh, for the, from the old LifePoint Church. Um, no agendas. Uh, one of our first meetings was out here in the lobby mm. on a Monday. Mm, I remember that. And um, 
I think he was already waiting for me or something, but uh, he saw the, the mission statement there, and he said that, he says, we just wrote a mission statement, and it's, it's almost the same. It's about, it's about other people. We want to build a church that is about other people. Um, and uh, th- that's, make, that's really what has drawn us together, is, is the, having the same mind. We've, we've been memorizing a verse from Philippians, uh, having the same mind, having the same spirit, having the same purpose. Oh, I dream of a church. I dream of a church. I have always dreamt of a church mm. that, that would make that true, having the same vision, same purpose, same heartbeat. Um, and that's what we're fighting for. That's what we're struggling sure. for. Um, and uh, by the way, one of the things that Nick started, one of the first things he did when he came to South Austin was to start a, uh, he gathered the pastors. You know, pastors, we feel isolated at times, but he gathered, he invited everyone uh, to gather together, and that had never happened. So pastors began to meet together monthly on Wednesday mornings and uh, just to pray for South Austin, just to pray for people, pray that, that our churches would be able to, uh, to extend the gospel and to reach people and for the church to make a difference in our communities. And that was the, one of the best things that hap- I know happened for me and I know uh, for other pastors is Nick's leadership in that, Nick's heart, no agenda, nothing other than, than praying for other people. And that's one of the best things that I think any of us could do is just pray for, for one another, pray mm-hmm. for other people. Um, just knowing that other people are praying for you, it helps us uh, know that someone cares, that someone cares about you and loves you. So that's, mm-hmm. that's one thing that, uh, mm-hmm. that drew me at least to, to Nick and uh, his vision for us. Yeah. So fast forward basically uh, 18 months or so into that process of praying monthly and continuing to feel this just connectedness to reaching people with the gospel. And um, Josue asked me if we wanted to have breakfast. And so we went to Bill Miller's barbecue over here off of Slaughter Lane. And two things happened that day. First, I got introduced to bris- brisket and egg tacos, um, which were good. I was surprised. Uh, and secondly... Uh, Josue, about three-quarters of the way into the conversation, I could tell there was something he wanted to say, but he wasn't saying it. And I was like, okay, there's something on your heart. And uh, he said, well, I've been really praying about whether we should partner together, whether we should work together. And then he began to start to, to, to explain what that meant. And so I don't know what – I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. We've talked about this a little bit. Yeah, but. yeah. I had, um, well, one of the things I told you, my wife and I have been praying for this for quite a while, fi- help us to find a solution to, uh, to what's going on, because uh, we knew that also LifePoint was missing a lot of things, and one of it is concentrated leadership and that we weren't able to provide, but um, that had been in my heart for a while, because, and I know it wasn't on your radar at all, but, you know, I started thinking, hey, the guy that's praying for me, uh, about what's going on in my heart, um, maybe that's that's the answer uh, to my prayer. Um, but I, then I thought, but you know, he has his own church, and if you know anything about preachers, um, <laughs> if we could, we could start it all over. You know, just um, uh, and I know church planters want that. They they don't want an old existing church, right? They they want to plant something new, something where you could put your values and your heart into it and people would develop that same heart and values so I hesitated for a long time of asking him because I thought that, that would never happen because I would never do it <laughs> so um, 
but, uh, you know, as I kept praying, uh, um, and even that morning, I didn't know I was going to do that. Uh, I just was just going to pray with him. But uh, something happened with that conversation, and I just threw it out there. I just wanted him to tell me no at that time to reject me, but just, uh, just like my wife rejected me on our first date. But uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, I just, I just threw it out there, see what would happen. And um, Nick didn't give me an answer. He says, well, well, he wasn't expecting that question. <laughs> he said, I would have to pray about that. I'm like, yeah, well, Harley actually would say, I had to have coffee with Harley after that, and I walked in, and he said, why are your eyes so big? And like, they're like, it's like the size of saucers. I was like, well, I just have to tell you what just happened. And so it was really a funny deal, because it just was really overwhelming. It was, not, it was totally out of the blue for, for me. So. Right. So uh, he had to pray about it, and um, I think we met a week later, and yeah. uh, he said, well, we'd have to talk to our elders about it because I hadn't talked to my elders about it. He hadn't talked to his elders about it. So that was the next step. Yeah. And um, you want to... Yeah, and so we began the process of just really praying and asking God to, to confirm or deny, either shut this thing down or move us ahead. And uh, when I very first told the elders, uh, they said, no way. <laughs> that was their first response. And, and it wasn't like they were being... Uh, it, was no, it was nothing against LifePoint. It was actually, hey, is this going to distract us from the mission God's called us to in South Austin? Um, but even by the end of that meeting, the guy said, well, we, we know we need to pray about it. That's what we need to do. Uh, we need to pray. We need to ask God what he wants, not what we want. And uh, at that moment, I, be, I felt like God began to do something in all of our hearts that, again, only he can do that started moving us on this trajectory to come together. Um, just so you know a little bit, again, if you're a guest visitor here, maybe you haven't heard some of this, but um, we, because we have an elder-led model uh, we, we have a lot of oversight, and, and we want to make sure that, um, that we aren't making decisions in a vacuum. We aren't making decisions in a bubble, that we really do get good, godly counsel and wisdom, and we pray, we fast, we consider what God is saying. And so we did that, and it really took about three months of praying and fasting and interacting and seeking wisdom and counsel to come to the place where we saw, saw that God was in this. And by the way, I have to say this, because uh, whenever Hosway asked me this, one, one cool story that happened just about a month ago, we sat down with the architects, uh, the folks that are working on some of the facility for kids here at the, at the, at the, the, the space, and, and um, one of the architects looked across the table and said, well, tell me the story, what's going on? And Josue told the story, and at the end of the story, she looked at us and she said, I want you to know that when you guys shared that you had this burden and you, were, you, you wanted us to pray for you, we did, and one of the specific prayers that I prayed was that someone that you had been praying with at this pastor's deal might be the right partner Mm-hmm. to help this thing move forward. And I remember her saying that. It was like a God moment. Just, yeah. man, she has no clue about what's going on. No clue. Just, just a friend mm-hmm. who loves you enough to pray for you guys. Mm-hmm. And she said, I've been praying for that. And to hear that was just an answer to prayer. It's just right. another one of those moments where I said, God, you're in this. Right. There have been several instances yeah. like that of, yeah. of, of people that uh, have approached Lindsay and I and said, guys, we've been praying for you. We've been praying. We see the burden that you're carrying and we've been praying for you. So um, there's many, many stories like that. But yeah, that was a, a great thing with just so, such confidence. Oh, she yeah. said, I've been praying for you. Yeah. I've been praying for you. That, and this is uh, so many confirmations like that, of, uh, that, that it's God's plan, that uh, mm-hmm. God has something um, for both churches joining together. So as we kind of wrap this up, um, I know you said there was a verse that was on your heart this yeah. morning even. Um, I'd love to hear that because you want, one thing that Josue has challenged me with time and time again is his humility and his just servant attitude. And, uh, and I just, I really respect that in him so much because I, 
I know we've joked about it a lot, but I could not do what he's doing. I mean, I know if, with God's help I could, uh, but I've just been blown away uh, by the way that you have put uh, the mission of God and the church uh, ahead of even your own personal agendas at times. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Well, uh, I just wanted to share and um, <clears throat> just, if I don't know, I, if there's any doubts, any fears, I thought this was a, just a great teaching. This is something that has helped me from, uh, from a long time ago of my view of the church, that it doesn't belong to anyone, that God uses all of us. God wants to use all our gifts to further uh, the kingdom. But uh, I wanted to share with this uh, as we uh, unite in this effort. And if there's any doubts, any doubts in anyone's heart of what's going on, what God is doing. Um, there was a time uh, in, in the church in Corinth where there was, there's starting to be talk like, well, uh, between Paul and Apollos, they were both great teachers. And, and so division started to happen between both, in the church, saying, well, I'm a follower of Paul. And the other one would say, I'm a follower of Apollos. Uh, he was my preacher and my preacher. So, so Paul writes this letter. He writes this to the first, uh, to Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3. Beginning with verse 4, he says, For, when, uh, for where, when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants, mm. through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow, right? So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, mm. but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, one purpose, okay? And each will be rewarded according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers you are God's field, mm. God's building. Isn't that beautiful? It's awesome. Right. So, I leave you. I, I want to I I just, again, appreciate this man today, and uh, I want to pray for him. Um, and uh, some of you were here the first night we met uh, in, in January when we did these vision nights, and um, we had the opportunity to honor Josue and Lindsay. Uh, one of the things that the, the Redemption City Church Elder Board wanted to do is to send them on a, a vacation trip to get alone and just have some quiet downtime together because they haven't had much of that. And so uh, we've committed to do that for them. I don't know. He hasn't decided where they're going yet. Hawaii. Hawaii. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> um, but honestly, we want to honor them. And then uh, I want you also to know that the next few months, uh, the elders want to give Josue some time off. Um, he has a teaching gift. He will continue to teach here at Point Community Church. So we want him to teach. We are excited about him teaching. Uh, many of you have been blessed through his teaching. But also today, we want them to have a time of rest. And so uh, one of the things that we're going to do is for the next couple of months at least, you won't see Josue up here preaching, but know that he hasn't disappeared He'll still be involved. He's still very, very involved as an elder of, of Point Community Church. Um, but pray for he and Lindsay that God will just refresh their hearts. Just that he will refresh their hearts. They have given and given and poured out and poured out and poured out. And so he's tired because he's a human being. But God is faithful and he will restore them. So let's pray that over them right now. God, thank you so much for Josue and thank you for his heart for you. Thank you for his example of humility and service. 
uh, in the church. Thank you for his leadership. Thank you, God, for the, the way you have used him and his family to point people to life in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that this is your church. It's not Josue's church. It's not Nick's church. It's not the elders' church. It's your church, Jesus. And thank you that we have this purpose, this mission. And right now, just pray that, that you would please refresh Josue and Lindsay as they step into this next chapter, this next few months of just getting some time to, to rest. We know that we will ultimately rest when we get to heaven. We know that that will be the final rest. But until then, I know that our bodies do get weary and we, even our souls get weary. And so I just pray there will be a real refreshing season for them as a couple, as a family. That you would bless them. And we pray all this in your strong name, Jesus. Amen. Worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. About halfway through this journey that Josue and I were on as we were praying and asking God what he wanted us to do, I was spending some time reading my Bible and, and just asking God, God, could you give us direction? And he gave me this verse. Specifically felt like it just landed on me. And I just heard him through, this, through his word, which by the way, if you will spend time in God's word, he will speak to you, right? Because it is his living, breathing word. And this verse just leapt off the page. And he said, this is what this is about. Paul is in prison. He's in chains. He's having a hard time. And in the midst of his imprisonment, he's writing letters to different churches that he had started and helped raise up leaders. And then as he, he continued to love them, but he couldn't be there with them, he would, he would try to encourage them to continue to, to walk out the things that they knew, to walk out the things that he had taught them, the things that God was showing them through his spirit. And in this passage, he's, he said some pretty powerful things in the book of Philippians already. He's, he's already reminded them that even though he's in chains, that his hardship is actually a good thing. Anybody in here think hardship's a good thing? We don't tend to see it that way, but Paul says hardship's actually a good thing because you know why? He says, listen, I'm in jail, I'm in prison, and because I'm in prison, people that wouldn't have probably heard the gospel are hearing the gospel. They're hearing the good news about Jesus. It's an awesome thought. God, in your hardship, may be wanting to use your life to point others to life in him. In fact, it's in hardship that sometimes it's like a megaphone that, that our, our, our actions and our, our lives and our words, it's like they're amplified by God, because people are looking, saying, what are they going to do in hardship? They say they believe Jesus. They say they trust Jesus. My little sister's here this morning, Mari, and uh, recently she was diagnosed with cancer, and she had surgery not but about a week and a half ago. Um, you're emotional. We aren't guaranteed a long life in this world, but our hope isn't in this world. And through the hardship that she's gone through, even in the last few months of knowing that this is, this is a hard thing to deal with, cancer, and I'm sure there are other people in the room who have dealt with cancer, maybe personally or in your family. But listen, in those moments when we get to point people to life in Christ, I mean, they're listening, they're watching, aren't they? And Paul was in that moment, he's in prison, he's, he's dealing with hardship, and he says, listen, it's a good thing. In Philippians, it's a good thing when you go through hardship, it's a good thing when you go through trial, because God will use you in those moments to point other people to life in him. He will, he will use you to declare the message of the gospel. And he gives us this, this scripture late in chapter 1. And I really want to point out three primary things. 
The first one is this. He, he says just one thing. Now, Paul is definitely a preacher because he continues to write a whole <laughs> uh, rest of the book of Philippians. So he didn't stop at just one thing. So a lot of pastors, when they say, like, I'm just, ra- uh, let me, one thing and we'll wrap up. They'll never believe him, right? But he says one thing. It really summates all that Paul has been writing in all of his other letters. He says, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. And I want to take those words today and just say, listen, let's act as if Paul is speaking those directly to us. One thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. The way I I really get my mind around that is, listen, listen, live your life, live my life in a way that, that, that declares that I've been saved, that I've been rescued, that I've been redeemed, that I've been set free. Like, if that's true, if we have been saved, if we have been rescued, if we have been given eternal home with Jesus, then our lives should look different, shouldn't they? How we face everyday trials, how we face ups and downs when things are good, we know that Jesus is still better. And everything in our lives, our values, the way we use our time, the way we use our money, the way we invest ourselves into the things in the world, it looks different because of what Christ has done. So we want to live like we have been saved because we have. Do you realize that this morning, church? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have put your trust in Jesus, you have been saved. Saved from eternal separation from the God who made you. We have been saved from eternal separation from the God who is light. In him there is no darkness. Who is good. And apart from him there is no good thing. We have been saved because what we deserve is death and punishment. And we deserve to be removed from his presence forever. But he has rescued us from the power of darkness and been brought into the light. Isn't that awesome? And so it changes everything about the way that we live. And Paul says, live your life in a, in a manner worthy of that. In a way that, that, that reflects that you get that, you understand that. The second thing he says, though, is he says how they should actually do that. In the, in the passage, in the, the, the other, on the screen up here, I've added in the NLT, the second way that this uh, verse here is written. It says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ, Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together. Standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Fighting together. Everybody say the word together. Like when God's people come together, he is honored. When we unify our our hearts and our minds and our lives around the person of Jesus, he is honored. But here's the thing. Living in a manner worthy of the, of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, living in a manner, you cannot do that in isolation, right? You cannot do that alone. You cannot do that by yourself. We need each other. We need the community of the saints. You're like, I'm not a saint. If you are a child of God, you are. You've been set free. You are, you, are, you are redeemed. You are free. You're forgiven, right? But we need the community of people around us to encourage us. We need people who will come alongside of us and help us. In the HCSB, he says, stand firm. Stand firm, which is very similar to what he says in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, where he's talking about spiritual warfare. And he says that we've got to put all this armor on. 
this helmet of salvation and this breastplate of righteousness and have the, the shield of truth. And he says, shield of faith. And he gives us all these, these pieces of armor. And he says, when you're standing firm, now stand firm. It's like, why? you just said we're standing firm. Why, why, why again, emphasize firm? Because here's the thing. It's hard work, isn't it? This, this coming together of two churches, it's so much more than we could ever do. It's not just about two churches coming together. It's about the church being the church that God's called us to be and literally storming the gates of hell. See, the church isn't an organization that just simply gets together and we hunker down and we hold together and we say, hope we can, make, we can weather the storm and make it till Jesus comes back. That's not the church. That's not the church, people. Men and women of God, the church is on the offensive. We're the ones going into all the world, like Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go into all the world and tell people about me, and I am with you in that. The Holy Spirit is inside of us in that. And so today, remember, church, you cannot do this alone, but together with the power of the Holy Spirit in us, this city, this region can be changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. It can be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't just stop in Austin, Texas. It goes into all the world. Into all the world. So this morning, we live like we have been saved with unified effort. A men in the room, he uses this analogy of standing side by side together. He's talking about soldiers. Any man who thinks that being a Christian is a woman's thing, you don't understand our faith. It is not simply a woman's religion. Listen, men, we need all of us to step up and to be the godly men he has called us to be and quit letting the enemy still kill and destroy from our families, still kill and destroy in the church. And God has called us, men and women and children in the room, to rise up and to follow him and to trust him. And it's hard work, yes, but we got to get side by side and we got to work together for this goal until he calls us home. There is no other reason for us to still be here. For those of us who believe in Jesus and have put our trust in him, there is no other reason for us, for us to be here, for God to have left us here other than the mission he's given us. Does that make sense? Because the truth is, is that if all it was is that we just need to get saved, we need to put our trust in Christ, receive his forgiveness, receive the gift of salvation, and then we just go to be with him. I'd rather be with him. And in fact, Paul even says in this passage, he says, I'd rather be with, with God now, but I'm here, and for whose sake? for the sake of those who don't yet know the gospel, which really is a segue to the third thing in the passage. He says what they should do, he says how they should do it, and he says why they should do it. He says that it is for the faith in the gospel. We exist, church, to make Jesus known so people have the opportunity to experience the life-changing reality of him, to put their trust in Christ and to be saved, saved from eternal separation from God, saved from a life of pointless wandering and pursuing things that are always going to be dead ends. We've been saved. We can stand together. And now, as a community of people who are committed to those things, we can see other people continue to, to come to faith in Jesus Christ as well, find salvation in Jesus. Isn't that an awesome task? So listen, church, let's not get sidetracked by all the side issues that the Satan wants us to get sidetracked by. Let's not get so locked in on things that don't matter because at the end of the day, we're all going to stand before Christ and he's going to say to us, what did you do 
with my son? Did you put your trust in him? And what did you do with what I gave you to make me known into all, in all the earth? Right? I gave you a mission. How'd you do? And I want to stand on that day along with all of you here and say, you know what? We wish every person would have put their trust in the message, but we gave them the opportunity. We gave every neighbor on our block the opportunity to know Jesus. We gave every worker in our cubicles. We gave every person that we came across in our community, we gave them an opportunity to see the gospel and to hear the gospel because of the way we lived our lives. That's what we pray for, church. In Philippians 1.6, just a few verses up from where we are in verse 27, he says this. He says that the one who began the good work will be faithful to complete the work. Who began this work here today? God did. Who will be faithful to complete the work? God will. But thankfully, he invites us to participate with him, right? So we, are great, we have great confidence today in what God is doing. Let's pray.